You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Prince or Popper, part four of four. Enjoy. Today is part four and the conclusion of our series, Prince or Popper. And we're talking about being born again understanding what it means to be born again and walking in the reality of that. In Highway Church, we, you'll hear us say quite often that we know that Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. He came to bring us each into a personal relationship with God as our Father. And it, God desires an unhindered relationship with Him. And that's what being born again is all about. That, that, that you come into this unhindered, unobstructed relationship with Him. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you're born again, there is no longer anything between you and God. You're, the curse of sin is removed from your life, and the devil is under your feet. And it's God's love for you, knowing that He loves you, knowing that He created you, knowing that He has a great destiny for your life that changes everything. And that's what being born again is. It's through this intimate relationship with God that we fulfill our destiny. It's through this unhindered intimacy that we move forward and become the people He's called us to be. So we've been looking at the prince and the pauper fun story. And we saw the prince left the palace. Can you imagine that? He laid down his glory and he put on pauper's rags and he left the palace and he entered into poverty. But at, at later on in the story, he realizes that if he doesn't return to the palace and take his rightful place, that the kingdom will be lost. It reminds me a little bit of Jesus. The Bible teaches us that Jesus left the palace that Jesus laid down his glory in heaven and came to earth as a baby boy and grew as a boy and a young man and a man. Let's take a look at that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, as they call those the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament. Then you've got Acts then Romans, then 1st and 2nd Corinthians, chapter 8, verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Now, keep going. Corinthians, what's after 2nd Corinthians? Galatians, right? Ephesians. Philippians, go to Philippians chapter 2. This is what Jesus did for us. The prince left the palace. He left his glory, emptied himself, and came down for us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. He, Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why did he do that? That we might enter into an unhindered relationship with God. That we might know who God is. That we might know him and that we might begin living a higher life 
than we've ever thought possible. This is Jesus' goal, to take you higher. He didn't come to put you down. He came to lift you up, to take you higher than you've ever thought possible. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to take the limits off of your thinking? Are you ready just to go forward unhindered in Him? Look what He said in Matthew, first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 10. So He lays down His glory, and He does it to take you higher, to give you His glory. Matthew chapter 10, verse 38 and 39. Jesus is talking. He said, He who does not take His cross... And follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. Lose what? He's going to answer that. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Find what? That verse 39. Let's put the Amplified up there. We're going to read the same verse in the Amplified, and it's going to help you understand a little bit better what he's talking about. Whoever finds his Lower life will lose it, the higher life. And whoever loses his lower life on my account will find it, the higher life. What is he talking about? God has a higher life for you. Higher than you've asked or imagined. Not talking about going to heaven talking about right now. And you will absolutely miss it if you think that your life consists of what you can accomplish. If you think your life consists of what you can do and the ideas that you have, your life is infinitely bigger than what you can accomplish. There's a higher life that Christ came to give you, a greater life. All of us have sinned, right? All of us have fallen short of this life. All of us have fallen short of the life came to give us, but God desires that we would put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we would be born again and enter into this unhindered relationship with Him and begin living the higher life. So in part one through three, we talked about what it is to be born again. We talked about how to be born again. And today we're going to focus on on walking in the reality of this born again life. All right? I mean, are you ready to absolutely take the limits off of your thinking? You have to do that. You have to begin to think, like Paul said, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. That nothing is impossible with God. So the first step, I think, in experiencing this high life, this born-again life, is realizing just that, that God's plan for your life is higher than anything you've asked for or imagined. Let's read that. In Ephesians chapter 3. 
So you're in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. So how do we walk in the reality of this new life? First of all, we got to take our, our, our blinders off. we got to realize that this life that God has for us is higher and greater than anything that, that we've ever asked for or imagined. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, look what the Word says. Now to him who is able to do what? Immeasurably or exceedingly, depending on what translation you're reading, more. Can't even measure it what God wants to do in your life. you got to think big. Him who is able to do immeasurably more, you don't have a measuring stick long enough, than all we can ask or imagine. I don't know about you, but I can imagine a lot of things. This is a limitless God that's living inside of us. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his immeasurable power that is at work within us. So we begin to live this life when we begin to raise our expectations and don't base our expectations on what we've been through, but on who God is. And we begin living this born-again life when we begin trusting God for all things in every area of life. We begin living this new, born-again, unhindered life when we begin to believe what God just said here, that the same power, the same immeasurable power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in us. You believe that? Have you ever spent time just closing your eyes, sitting in a chair or laying in your bed and, and, and imagining that, that resurrection, life and power of Jesus Christ just surging through your body. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Immeasurably more than all we can ask or think. So don't let what you've been through, don't let man's opinions form the expectations for your life. Base what you believe about you and about your future on who God is. Don't let what you've been through cause you to lower your expectations. Don't let man's opinions cause you to lower your expectations for your life. See, the world we're living in has currents of unbelief flowing around. It has currents of discouragement, depression, fear, anxiety. But when you begin to look to Jesus instead of to man, you take your feet out of those currents of unbelief and depression and you begin to plant them on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, on the immovable reality of the resurrection of Christ. And then you begin to walk and go forward in that reality and you begin to base your expectations on His promises instead of what you've been through. And you begin to change your life and change your circumstances. You begin to look up. Now, Jesus describes this born-again life. John chapter 10, verse 10. Let's go there. 
we're realizing that this new life that God has provided for us through Christ is higher, is greater than what we've asked for or imagined. And it's according to the resurrection power of Christ that is working in us now. Jesus describes the life that he came to give us that you have now if Jesus is your Lord. Verse 10 of John 10, and it says right here, Jesus is talking, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The Amplified says to the full till it overflows. This overflowing life. Let's go to Romans. We're reading descriptions of this life, this born-again life that you have if you're in Jesus. It's a more abundantly. It's an overflowing. It's a measurably more life. Romans chapter 8. I love this, and I'm going to read it to you out of the message translation. This is the description of the life you're living, of the life Christ came to give you. I want you to look at it in the message. All right? This is verses 15 and 16 of chapter 8. I like this. This resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Right? That's why people walk two hours in some parts of the world to come to church. Right? This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. When you're adventurous, you're aware that there's danger, but it doesn't keep you from moving forward, right? It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? Verse 16. God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. Man doesn't know who you are. Doesn't know. Don't let him tell you either. God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We are the healed of God. We are the very sons and daughters of God, full of the resurrection life and immeasurable power of God. We know who He is, and we know who we are, Father and children. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Let's do one more description of this life. Jeremiah, let's go back to the Old Covenant. Prophetic scripture here about what God would do through Jesus Christ in Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah is after the book of Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. Jeremiah the prophet, chapter 29. What are we doing? We're just, we're, we're taking the limits off of our thinking. We're walking forward in this born-again life. We're making our, we're letting our expectations be built upon the Word of God, not man's opinions. What does your future look like? It's big. It's immeasurably more than you've asked or imagined. Jeremiah 29, 11, I like when God talks. This is how he talks. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? Prosper you, right? Not to harm you. It's different than what some people would say. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. There's that, that adventurous expectation that we just read about in verse 15 of Romans. Plans to give you an unstoppable expectation and a future. Now in the New American Standard translation, it says plans for welfare and not for calamity. 
The word in the Hebrew here for prosper and for welfare is a very powerful word. It is the word shalom. And it means complete wholeness and complete prosperity. Nothing missing in your life. Nothing broken in your life. I looked up this word welfare years ago. This is one of the first scriptures I, 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 I learned and it became a, a, a staple in my life, a foundation in my life. Every time I'd think of my future, I, I would um, get in the habit of reminding myself of this. And I look up this word welfare, because when you hear the word welfare in our culture, culture, you probably think of the government system. That's not what we're talking about here at all. This is immeasurably more, okay? The, the definition, let me read you some of the definitions for this word welfare. Again, we're just expanding our vision for our future, right? For this life that God's given us. Here's what God said. Here are his plans for you. Here's the definition. Health. Okay? Health. Happiness. Prosperity. And general well-being. And that word general, general, great word. It doesn't mean your basic well-being. Gen here's the definition of the word general. Are you ready? All around general. All inclusive. Mm -hmm. Applicable to the whole. Not limited in scope or application. Overall, sweeping and widespread. Understanding the definition now, let me, let's go back to what God said in verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for health, happiness, prosperity, and well-being that is all around, all-inclusive, applicable to the whole, not limited in scope or application. Health, happiness, prosperity, and well-being that is overall sweeping and widespread. You see it? What's that look like in your life? I see myself running, jumping, with overflowing resources, great relationships, my marriage blossoming, my children blossoming, our family blossoming. Blossoming. What do you see? My plans for you are health, happiness, prosperity, and well-being that is all around and all-inclusive, applicable to the whole, not limited in scope or application, sweeping, widespread, overall. Hallelujah. That's the first step to experiencing it. Realizing that that's what he has for you. Like, wait a minute, why am I living life without him? Why am I living life based on others' opinions of me? Why am I living life based on man's conclusions? I'm coming into the high life. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ and let him take me into this shalom life. Let him take me higher into this immeasurably more life than I've ever asked for or imagine. So once you begin to do that, it begins to change things. And sure, the enemy will come along and he'll say, ah, this is, uh, this is a fantasy. You know, this is, yeah, this is too good to be true. But it's just the basic Bible. It's just the Word of God. 
So after you begin to realize that God has provided this life for us, and you begin to base your expectations on who he is and what he's promised us, and then the next thing to do is to realize that this born-again life was given to us by grace. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to merit it. It was absolutely, completely given to us. It was all God's initiative, and it's by grace. Let's look at this in the Word. It's very powerful. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, back to the New Testament. I heard many years ago, I heard an acronym for grace, and you may have heard it, G-R-A-C-E. What is grace? It is God's riches at Christ's expense. Love that. So true. It is God's riches. The ri- now, how many digits is God's bank account? Really? I mean, according to his riches in glory, it says in Philippians 4.19, right? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. I'd like to go to the bank with God and just, just sit down you know, with his bank manager and just see what his ledger looks like. Wouldn't that be fun to see what the debits and credits are? Woo! God's riches at Christ's expense. Yeah, look at Ephesians chapter 2. It's all by grace. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us Alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Why would he do this? in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. That's in our lives right now. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9 says, Not by works, so that no one can boast. This born-again life becomes a reality when you realize of his, his great love for you has done this. It was given to you. It was given to you by his grace, his riches at his son's expense. And you begin to receive and meditate on this love. And not only did God uh, make us alive when we were dead, but he raised us up with his son, Jesus Christ. Not only talk about a future, not only did he raise us up with Jesus Christ, but he seated us at his very right hand in the heavenly places. Boy, you can't be discouraged when you realize how and where God has positioned you. The devil is under our feet. Discouragement, depression, lactose intolerance, whatever it is, it's under 
our feet. I never cease to be amazed in, in the years where I've walked with the Lord how different things will come up and they'll, they'll become the latest issue or, or condition. And I, I've seen them over and over again. I just lactose tol- intolerance came to mind. No one ever heard of that before. And all of a sudden, people say, wait a minute, I can't drink milk. I must, I'm, I'm lactose intolerant. And all of a sudden, it became a, a huge issue in our culture. And I thought, why do people accept such thinking? Christians especially. Why would they allow that in their body? I will drink milk my whole life with chocolate chip cookies. Can't drink, can't have chocolate chip cookies without milk. You crazy? Got milk? Yes. I got milk. Praise God I got milk. I'm serious. Don't listen to me. Man, condition after condition comes out, and all of a sudden people are saying, oh, I, I must have that. Why do they come to that conclusion? Because they've heard a message from man, and they've put their faith in that. This will set you free. I mean, I'm not. No. Are you kidding me? I am not going to be lactose. What? No. 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 Diabetes, all kinds of things ran through my family. Am I going to have it? No. Immeasurably more than you've asked or thought. No. Depression, are you kidding me? No. No. Got milk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's read verse 10 of, of, of chapter 2. Let's read it out of the Amplified. Let's pull up on the screen. You got it up there? All right. Look at this. Why don't we accept these new discoveries, quote unquote, of man? For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus. That's why we've got milk, right? For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus. We're born anew. Why? That we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them. I like this last part, living the good life, which he prearranged, not we built through our own ideas and effort, which he prearranged. So God prearranged a good life for you. Wow, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. When you're born again, you step into the good life that God already set up for you. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. We're born again. We're made anew. We're we're different creatures now. We're living a new kind of life And we're born of an unstoppable, incorruptible word from God. It's the everlasting, never get weak word of God. And we've received it and we're born of it. And it's growing moment by moment in us. And it's stronger than anything in this earth. 
The life of God in us is immeasurably stronger than any condition or diagnosis in this earth. It's stronger than a treatment man has ever come up with. Just simple faith in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Simple faith in the Word of God is greater in power than any treatment, than any nuclear, uh, any, any chemical, than anything that man could ever come up with. It's the explosive life of Jesus Christ in us, and it keeps us strong. So God did this where His handiwork that we might do those good things, those good works which He prepared beforehand for us and live this life that He made ready for us to live. So we've been just done talking here a few minutes now and I'm hoping your, your image of yourself and your picture of your future has changed. Because maybe someone's come, come into your life with a paintbrush and, and, and painted some, some lactose intolerance over you. Or whatever. Or maybe someone's told you about your genetic history and, and that at such and such an age you'll probably have this. Time for a new, pa- a new painting altogether. Time to take that canvas and destroy it with the Word of God and let God paint a picture of who you are through His Word. Let God's colors paint your life. Let the colors of God's promises paint the picture of who you are. And that's the last thing, realizing not only that this born-again life, this immeasurably more life, was a gift given to us by God's grace, but realize that this immeasurably more life is experienced simply by faith. Not effort. Simply by believing. We just saw that in verse 8 of Ephesians, right? It is by grace you have been saved through religious sacraments. No. Through faith. Got milk, right? Through faith. Faith in what? The good nature of man? You know? In yourself? Faith in God's promises. And it's very important at Highway Church that we cultivate this culture. When we talk about God's Word, faith, we're talking about faith in His promises. Man, the Word is full of promises for you. It's through faith in the promises of God that we experience the person of God. It's through faith in the promises of God that we experience the provision of God. It's through faith in the promises of God that we experience the health of God. Through faith in the promises of God that we experience the life of God. Only God's promises can do that. We learn that in 2 Peter chapter 1. I think it's verse 4 that says, Through these precious and magnificent promises, we become partakers of God's nature. This is the high life. And it's all through faith. Hebrews 11.1. Can you put that up for us, please? Hebrews 11.1. See, it's got to be by faith. Because your physical senses can't get you there. This is a supernatural life. 
so many are so frustrated, they can't understand it. They get frustrated when, when they hear about this life because they're trying to figure it out with their natural mind. They're trying to detect it and discover it and live it with their natural senses. But Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That sounds like insanity. How can you be certain of something that you cannot detect with your five senses? They may diagnose us as insane. We can be certain of what we cannot detect with our five senses by putting our faith in the very Word of God. Listen, God is unseen. Chances are you probably will not physically see him with these eyes before he returns. You may. You may have a visitation. If that happens, that's wonderful. But you really don't need to have that. You've got his word. And when we begin to put, put our confidence in the simple word of God, we begin to experience the life of God. You see? It's the life of God. It's the, it's, God is unseen. And you know this? His promises the manifestation of his promises, when we first read them, they're unseen. You first read the promise of God, it doesn't mean you automatically see it in your life. But you believe it. And as you put your faith in it, what was unseen becomes seen in your life. Eden, let's go to Mark 11, 1, uh, 11 22. Mark 11, 22. Hallelujah. We realize that God's plan for our lives is immeasurably beyond what we've asked or imagined, beyond all we've asked or imagined. We realize that this has been given to us by grace and that it's experienced through simple faith in the promises of God. Here's Jesus talking. When Jesus talks, we listen, right? And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Next, next verse. For verily, that means truly, I say unto you, that whosoever, so who's this available to? Everybody, right? Whosoever shall say, you've got to say it, right? You've got to speak the word of God with your mouth over your own life. Do you speak to your body? Yes. Do you tell your body how to feel? Don't let your body tell you how to feel. If you wake up and you have a pain in your body, you speak to your body, say, body, you're healthy and strong seven days a week because it is written in the word of God that Jesus took my pains. Well, you know, that was fine when I was 20 or I was fine when I was 40, but now, no. Every day of your life. Every day of your life. Every day of your life for the rest of your life. You understand the new covenant is better than the old, right? We know that at Highway Church. In the old covenant, Caleb said, and he was some about 40 when, when he got the promise to take the land, and he didn't, wasn't able to do it until he was 85 because everyone else's unbelief. But he said to Moses, that I'm as strong, or Joshua, who did he say it to? One of those two guys. He said, I'm as strong as I was when I was 40. Right? That was in the old covenant. We have a better covenant. All right? A better covenant with better life, better strength, better guarantee. 
that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Next verse. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, look at this, past tense, believe that you have received it. Isn't that past tense? Have. And it will be, what's that? Future tense. It will be yours. So this is received by faith. It's not based on how we feel or what's going on around us. We believe that we have received what God has promised for us, and it comes our way, and we experience it. It shows up in our body. So it's faith in the goodness of God. And lastly, the last scripture, it's faith in the abundance of his grace and the gift of his righteousness. Romans chapter 5, our last scripture, then we're going to have communion together. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It comes through faith in the abundance of his grace and the gift of his righteousness. These are the two key elements to walking in this life. All right? It says in verse 17 of Romans 5, For if by the transgression of the one, who's that one? Adam, right? Death reigned through Adam much more, immeasurably more than all you ask or think, right? Much more. Those who receive the abundance of grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, and of the gift, totally a gift, the wages of sin, sin as wages, God's righteousness is a gift. See the difference? Sin is work. It's, you have to pay for it. But God has given us his righteousness, the gift of righteousness. Well, what will happen to those who receive these two things? They will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. It is the abundance of his grace, receiving that daily, knowing that I'm walking in the abundance of grace. The fulfillment of God's promises in my life is not conditional upon how many things I do right and how many things I do wrong. It's conditional upon how many things Jesus did right. So that means no matter what I've done, I can come before God's, with, with, before God's throne with unhindered confidence with absolute boldness to receive whatever I need, knowing that I've got it, not because of my own actions, but because of Jesus' action. I've got it. And the devil will condemn you. He will accuse you. He will say to you that you don't have it. He will, he, will, he will rehearse to you your history and what you've done and what you haven't done. Don't listen. Don't watch that movie. Watch Jesus and look to Jesus' righteousness. It's the abundance of his grace. See, religion has turned the focus of Christianity onto what you've done instead of what Jesus has done. That's what man's religion has done. And you come to church and you learn about how you should have done that, you shouldn't have done this, and how you better do that, and how you need to do that. And all of a sudden, man's version of Christianity becomes this introspective looking at ourselves and missing Jesus. 
Christianity was never meant to be a focus on us. It was forever meant to be a focus on him. And it's as we look at Jesus that we experience this born-again life, this immeasurably more life, that we keep our focus on Jesus and who he is shows up in us. The Old Testament, remember in the Old Testament that the priest examined the sacrifice, not the sinner, right? When they would bring their sacrifice to the priest, he would not examine them. He had no questionnaire for them. He would immediately examine the lamb that they brought to make sure that it had no blemishes, that it was a sacrifice that God required. And the same is true today. When we go before God, He has no questionnaire for us. He does not examine us. He examines immediately the Lamb of God, His Son, and He sees that His Son has met every requirement, and we have what we need because of Him. Yes. Woo! We've got it. We've got it because of Jesus. We've got it because of Jesus. We, we've got it because of Jesus. Hallelujah. We believe it. We receive it. God's got us covered. We've got milk. God is good. We've got the abundance of His grace and the gift of His righteousness. Jesus came to give you a life higher than all you could ask or imagine. Let your expectations be built on who He is and what He's done for you. Let the colors of God's promises paint the picture of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.